Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Keeping It Real, your IGM Movies podcast. We've got uh, the the lone gunman in the room today <laughs> with you. It's just uh, me, this is Moro, and Stax coming at you. How you guys doing? So, uh, we missed last week. We're still dealing with our little technical difficulties with Podcast Computer here. Um, but we're, we're up this week, so we're going to dive into the box office. We don't have any predictions, obviously, but we can discuss what happened, at least. Right. Well, I, I mean... The, the big race last weekend was Iron Man 2 versus Robin Hood. Yeah. Now, Robin Hood, <coughs> excuse me, Robin Hood didn't <laughs> exactly um, uh, get great reviews from critics, but it did decent numbers. Uh, it opened number two with uh, 36 million. Uh, Iron Man stayed number one with 52 million. Robin Hood did pretty good internationally. So, I mean, uh, I think the real test for that movie is this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Because you know, there's a lot of big ticket uh, items coming up this weekend that, you know, will it will it drop down? There was a lot of... We, we were both lukewarm in the movie. Yep. I didn't think it was... I, I reviewed the movie for us. I didn't think it was an awful movie. I just thought it was an unnecessary one. Right. Um, you know, I get the idea of doing a prequel to Robin Hood, but I kind of just... I'm tired of this story, the, the first mission story. Like, so many Robin Hood movies do that. Just get into it and tell me... Another story about this guy running around in the woods. Yeah, you know, and it's like um, I feel like it. It was it's this summer's King Arthur or the Alamo or Troy, where we're gonna demythologize these famous legends that everybody you know. You want the legend, right? You don't right. necessarily want the gritty historical take on it. The history geek in me appreciates that stuff, but maybe. As a History Channel special, I liken it to the new, um, the new Batman movies, the Nolan Batman movies. So it should be uh, this one would have been Robin Hood Begins, and the sequel, if there is one, would be uh, The Forest Knight, perhaps, or <laughs> exactly. uh, The Sherwood Knight. You know? <laughs> Pretty sure Sherwood Knights is a is a band that plays at a hotel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somewhere in the Midwest, they're, exactly. They're, they're playing the Ramada in <laughs> Tulsa right Exactly. <laughs> so let me ask you this. is uh, uh, it, Iron Man 2 was what? It was like 50-something, right? It was made 52 million. It, it dropped yeah. you know, pretty considerably. So is that a, a disappointment, you think? Um, I don't... I, I mean, it's... These big summer movies usually have pretty sharp drop-offs, but not always. I think that Iron Man 2, it, it was a little sharper than I thought it would be. It was, you know, reaching towards 70%. It was definitely in the 60s. So it was, you know, it does make you wonder. I mean, a lot of people liked the movie, but there's a sizable contingent of people who had mixed feelings about it. And yeah. I think, I think the novelty of the first film is that People went in with low expectations. Marvel hadn't really done a really good movie. The first Blade was about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, John Favreau, as a director, he had Elf and Zathora, mm-hmm. only one of which people saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. was not this, like, he was not the new Johnny Depp. He yeah. was still an unproven quantity. And I think just the the combination of just the sheer charisma of that movie won people over. Right. Uh, revisiting it uh, before I saw the sequel, I was amazed at how many more dramatic moments there are in there for 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 Downey than <clears throat> than I than I recalled. I mean, I you, you think of him as just being pithy and glib throughout the whole thing, but he's not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's, and he's much more so in the in the sequel. Yeah. Totally. You know? Well. 
let's uh, I guess the real test I don't want to predict yet because that's what we do at the end of the box office but or at, I'm sorry at the end of the podcast but um the real test is going to come this weekend I mean we're going to have Shrek 4 and MacGruber going up which yeah. you know things could go in any possible direction this weekend so we'll get to that towards the end of the podcast let's jump right into some of the news okay well uh this is obviously the big story of the week short of there being a batman announcement spidey getting recast whatever megan fox is out of transformers (laughs) okay now depending on who's who's leaking what to the press she either voluntarily left yeah or she got canned because of michael bay now just to bring people up to speed they had a whole war words during the um, promotional tour for the second Transformers film, and she called him Hitler, or she likened him to yeah. Hitler, and it just it got nasty and ugly, and, and quite frankly, pretty petulant, childish kind of behavior in both right. her parts. That being said, uh, you know they have started production. She was spotted on the set. They had done table reads. Her character was written in there. Patrick Dempsey was. Uh, cast as, I believe, her boss. Mm-hmm. Um, now she's out of the movie. Mm. So the question that I haven't quite gotten a straight answer to is, the new female lead, are they simply recasting the same role, the, the Michaela uh, character, mm-hmm. or is it a whole new character? In which point, um, isn't that kind of scary that you're going to rewrite the whole story basically the minute you get on set? For a whole new female lead, like what does that do to Patrick Dempsey's character? Right, and right. What does it do to, you know, not that everyone really gives a damn about Patrick Dempsey's character, but <laughs> it's like the idea was that he was supposed to play her boss, and so it would seem to me that you'll either have to drop an entire subplot or pull one out of your ass, uh, you know, as you're filming. Yeah, yeah. And didn't they kind of already do that with the second one? Kind of. And look what happened there, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so here, here are some of the actresses that, according to uh, multiple sources, uh, I should say multiple sites, are reporting that Gemma Arditon from Quantum of Solace and Prince of Persia mm-hmm. and Clash of the Titans is apparently a front runner. She may have even had some discussions already with Michael Bay. I cannot see her replacing Megan Fox. Yeah, uh, she would have to be a whole new character, and, and she'd have to. I mean, they'd have to give her her character some weight because, I mean, yeah, sure, she's come from, you know, action fair, you know, Quantum yeah. of Solace and 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 uh, Clash of the Titans and and Prince of Persia, but she's you know she's she's good. She's got the gusto, so I don't think yeah. she's Megan Fox candy. was a nobody. She was literally a no. This this is our headline when when this news broke was. Megan Fox's career, R.I.P. 2007 to 2010. Yeah, uh, let, let, let's just go over that for a second. Um, she was an unknown. She had done mm-hmm. a couple of TV episodes. She had been uh, uh, a, a check in a nightclub in one of the Bad Boys. Films. Yeah, Bad Boys too. She was a dancer in the nightclub in one you of know? the nightclub scenes. And so Michael Bay cast her in Transformers based on that. Well. She bursts onto the scene. Everybody's like, who is this girl? She's gorgeous, whatever. Well, (laughs) then she does How to Lose Friends and Alienate People, a pretty uh, ironic title now in hindsight. That flopped. She goes, does the second Transformers, huge hit. She does um, Jennifer's Jennifer's Body, which was really hype is okay this is her standalone movie her make or break and it flopped mm-hmm. okay and a lot of people just trashed it and then she's in jonah hex coming up which 
even though I'm pulling for the movie, it doesn't look good, and the buzz is not good. Mm. And uh, so this could, I mean, she's out of Transformers. What is she going to do now? She's she's already killed the buzz in her career by yeah by being so. It's one thing to be brash and outspoken. You know, that's that can be a plus for a lot of people. But when you're literally biting the hand that feeds you and you're a nobody and you haven't earned this stardom that's been given to you, it makes you look like an a-hole. Yeah, she's <laughs> in desperate need of um, a kind of um, crew makeover, if you will. The people that she's got kind of employed around her, publicists, managers, whatever, I mean... You know, in, in the we've dealt with these people. Oh yeah, and in the times that we've we've spoken to her, you know, it's she needs she's not media trained. First of all, first and foremost, I mean, she just somebody needs to sit her down and go, look, this is how a that the persona and image you need to present to the outside world. First, b this is how you deal with media when they talk to you. And I'm not saying, like you said, she can't. You know, she shouldn't be brash. She shouldn't be out there, but. She, someone needed to rein her in a long, long time ago. To be well, she's 24 years old and has been handed the world, and she wouldn't be the first Hollywood star or, or just you know, I, I don't even know if she's ever really qualified as a star. She was mm-hmm. an it girl, mm-hmm. but she, she wouldn't be the first up and coming celebrity to crash and burn pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, the last decade is littered with the it boy and it girls of the moment, and only a few of them have really managed to show that they have any chops. Colin Farrell was an it boy. He was put into everything before people knew who the hell he was, and a lot of his movies weren't that good. He then he started to prove himself in indies, and he bounced back. So does she have that in her? I don't know. I have a feeling she'll end up on some sort of Showtime or HBO series, like sort of an Americanized diary of a call girl. Sure, sure. And regain ground that way that could be the smartest thing she could do yeah but um well let's get back to uh, yeah. some of the replacements all right there yeah. it's like literally every available hot actress in town who's got an opening in their schedule <laughs> right now is probably being considered Gemma Arterton um there's a lot of models too Bar Raffaele um forgive me if I'm killing some of these names I can spell them but I can't say them <laughs> Miranda Kerr uh Brooklyn Decker and now some more no-names, Zoe Saldana, mm-hmm. Hayden Panettiere, Amber Heard, who I think you could recast her as the Michaela Barnes character. Yeah, pretty much. And nobody would probably blink an eye. Vanessa Hudgens, um, Emmanuel uh, Shriki. Okay. We all know who she is, but I can't yeah. say her name. She she was in Entourage, and I believe she was also in... Um, was she in Zohan? I can't remember. I, I didn't see that one. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, Jessica um, Lowndes, uh, Camille, uh, Camilla Bell, uh-huh. Ashley Green from Twilight, uh, Julianne Howe, and uh, Rosie Huntington Whiteley. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, if like, she gets that part, that is the luckiest unknown. Exactly. You know? yeah, like you said, pretty much every kind of. Um, not to be crass, but hot girl, hot actress, young actress out there right now is is on this list. Frankly, I think this would be a step down for Zoe Saldana and Gemma Arterton. They don't yeah, need this movie. I agree. I mean, I know Losers flopped, but she was in Avatar, and she's got Star Trek. She doesn't... Yeah. But, you know, those are both Paramount movies, like Transformers. They, I'm sure they love her. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'd make her a really great deal, but 
she doesn't need to do this movie. No, not at all. I mean, I could see her maybe doing it if, A, it's just a one-off for her. Like, this is this is definitely the final movie, or at least she's only in it, in it for one movie. And, B, they beef up the character. and Because yeah. she's not the... Um, she's proven. She's not the damsel in distress. I'm just going to run holding yeah. your hand, screaming the whole time. You know? Yeah, That's and I, I also, even though she's only in her 20s, they're probably close to the same age, but I just, I look at Zoe Saldana as being more mature than Shia LaBeouf, who, you know, is mature, but he plays younger. And, yeah. And, you know, it just, I I just don't see them clicking, you know? Uh, Amber Heard, I think, of all those ones, would probably be the safest bet. I mean, mm-hmm. it, for the production and probably just for the viewer. I mean, if if they wanted to pass her off as basically the Michaela character, they could. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Michael Bay doesn't exactly have a reputation for the most well-developed female protagonist. Right. So, <laughs> you know, and, and Amber Heard's coming off of Zombieland, so people know her a little bit from that. Um, I mean, I'd be surprised who they get. Maybe it won't be anybody on this list. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I just think that it's... I just think it's amazing that they're already in production. You have to recast your female lead and maybe even completely reconceive an entire aspect of that storyline. Were they just going to throw a throwaway line? Yeah, I wasn't an awful about how Michaela got, uh, you know, hit by that car. <laughs> it was probably really a Decepticon, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Or it turns out that she was always a Decepticon, like, you know, one of those. That actually would be great. Yeah. If it turns like she's like the chick in the college and she's been a robot all along <laughs> to try to get close to Sam because she's after the AllSpark. Yeah. And then he has to just kill her. Yeah. And the audience would applaud. And <laughs> I think that would be great. But, but that would require me. her involvement, you know. You know, who knows? Maybe she's already done. Maybe this is all smoke and mirrors. There you go. Stuff. There you go. <laughs> So so, what else do we got? Uh, let's see, you know, news-wise this week, um, for those of us who have, have those of us for those who have complained that we cover too much comic book movie news, you might you might enjoy it that uh, we don't really have much this week. <laughs> um, a couple of little things, and they're both just rumors that I I think frankly are are kind of shaky. No, you know, I'm not casting aspersions on the on the sites that ran them, but I just. Uh, there's a rumor that Nathan Fillion is up for the role of Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Joss Whedon is directing Avengers, obviously. There's a connection there. Uh, <clears throat> I bet you he does end up in the mix somehow. Maybe he, he would be Ant-Man. But I just don't I don't see that getting cast right now. I think yeah. it's... I, I just think it's... A, it just sounds a little too fanboy good to be true. Sure. Uh, another rumor was that the Skrulls... Mm-hmm. Would be the villains in in Avengers, and instead of Loki basically taking over the Hulk and causing chaos, it would be the Skrulls. Maybe kind of I don't know if they'd be taking uh, bits of like a different kind of invasion story plot lines that have been done in the past. Mm-hmm. But um, my curiosity about that is that I thought that Fox bought all the major characters including villains for the fantastic four mm. and the scrolls as much as the avengers fought them the scrolls to me were always a fantastic four yeah more fantastic four than than avengers there was a, and there was one scroll in particular the super scroll remember that that yeah. mimicked the powers of all four of the fantastic four so i mean unless they do have the rights to it in which case that could be an interesting character to throw into an avengers movie however that being said 
I was on the set of Thor, and Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki, I mean, the impression that we had from everybody we talked to, including him, was that he's going to be in Avengers. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't know if I quite buy the whole Skrulls thing. Yeah, and you know, my, my issue with it as well, when I read it, um, is that, and this is going to sound kind of outrageous coming from, you know, a world a cinematic world filled with superheroes. But I'm going to say it anyways. You know, Marvel really has gone through kind of painstaking efforts to ground this world in as much reality as possible. It's hyper-reality, that's for sure. But um, but it's real nonetheless, you know. So I think they're going to have a challenge on their hands to begin with, um, with, with the Thor film, but then to kind of introduce... This alien well, empire. I think, you know? and I, I have to be careful how much I say because of agreements that we made. But um, Thor is science fiction. It yeah. won't be fantasy. Uh, I really want to elaborate beyond that. But right. I can't. But it, it's in that regard, it is possible that the scrolls could be worked in the, and their technology could be worked into the Marvel universe as it's unfolding. But. I I just I just never got that impression that they were going to go that kind of hell's bells yeah exactly out there with the cosmic stuff that they would ease their way into it. That's what I think too. I mean, I think I think maybe in Avengers two or three, but you know, as it stands, you're going to have, um, you know, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, and then Hulk, who's a fully CG creation, all in one movie fighting. You know that that's going to be kind of larger than life enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I think <laughs> at a certain point when you see uh, green men with pointy ears, it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's almost too much. Hey, uh, just to backtrack uh, on the Megan Fox thing, um, there the an element to that whole, like, bad talk, uh, you know, bad-mouthing thing is that Shia LaBeouf mm. has been out there making comments, yeah. um, which actually went over well with the fanboy community because basically what he did was he said, "Yeah, Transformers Two wasn't good. I, you know, I didn't like it. I didn't like what we made." And he said largely the same thing about Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and said that Harrison Ford agreed with him. Hmm. Now, the what the speculation is that are they firing her, Megan Fox, to send a message to Shia to like watch your mouth. Mm-hmm. These are both Paramount movies, right? You know, and it, it's it's possible, but I don't. If you read his comments, uh, he's trying to uh, take some of the blame himself, saying that he wasn't as good as he could have been in those movies. Mm-hmm. But you know, with the Crystal Skull stuff, at least he said, you know, Spielberg dropped the ball, and mm-hmm. uh, it shouldn't. He shouldn't be too hurt by a look at his career. He's done so many great things. One bad movie right, doesn't right. necessarily damn you. But uh, um, you know, what do you think? Do you think that's? Uh, do you think there's any coded messages in there for Shia? Is I there... mean, there could be. I mean, I, ultimately, I do think that it, it boils down to the um, the dispute between um, Megan Fox and Michael Bay. I mean, this is no secret that those two. There's no love lost between the two of them, and I think it finally came to a head, probably, yeah. in in something that we don't even know about, and that's that. However, does it send that message? Yeah, because I mean, you know, it, it basically tells you nobody's safe. You know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. we the stars of these movies 
are the Transformers. Let's yeah. be honest, you yeah. know. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, Sam, it'd be great to have you, but we could completely and utterly bring in an well, argument. Well, I mean, character. he almost <laughs> got himself killed making the last one. Yeah, and it cost the production a lot. And he said that he would get his act together and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he's already had his bout. I mean, basically, there was a lot of bad behavior yeah. in the last film on on the part of its stars. Yeah, um, he seems like he's you know, straightened himself out a little bit since then, but uh, it just seems like it seems like the studios are with a lot of just actors in general these days between like salary cuts and just hiring lesser and lesser known people to to top line their movies. It's like, we don't necessarily need you. We need the brand name. That's why everything short of, you know, Scott Towels are getting turned into movies. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, that's true. I mean, Megan Fox was she ever really a movie star? I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. here's one thing uh, before we cycle off the comic book news because, like you said, there wasn't much of it this week. Um, something we 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 kept pushing back in our past two podcasts, and that was remember a reader wrote in and was asking who could we see kind of potentially cast in X-Men First Class. Oh, right, right. So we should probably touch on that because we keep saying, oh, we'll do it next time, <laughs> next time, and we never do. So this one's for you. I, I don't have the email in front of me, but whoever sent it in, this one's for you. Um, so yeah, I mean, assuming... Well, first of all, I guess we know that it's going to be, for sure, a young Xavier and a young Magneto. So we can, I can start there. And then yeah. maybe working under the assumption that it would be kind of the original First Class from the comic book. So Cyclops, Jean Grey... Angel, Angel, Beast, and an Iceman. Ice I think, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see somebody like uh, Mark Strong in there. I just don't know if he could stand to do one more genre villain. movie. And one more villain, I guess. You know? yeah. I mean, although, you know, I don't know. I was kind of thought of, and I probably get a lot of hate mail for this, but I was kind of thought of Jude Law for either Xavier or Young Magneto. That's interesting. You know, and Tom Hardy, who ironically enough, played uh, young Patrick Stewart in the Star Trek movie. I think he could be an interesting one for either of those roles. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I think, or uh, Killian Murphy, maybe. He's Mm -hmm. got those eyes. You know, you could kind of believe him as, you know, a mutant. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, I I think you don't don't need huge name people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's funny, we were talking, uh, Stax, remember a couple weeks back, and we were saying it. You know, in a weird way, you could probably still, in theory, cast Patrick Stewart as as Xavier because he's still kind of young enough to do it. But I was saying, oh, well, what about we mix it up and and we cast him as Magneto in the remake, you know, <laughs> or in the reboot, I guess, and get somebody else. But I do like where you're going with that. I definitely think I've always thought this. I always thought as great of an actor as Ian McKellen is, I always thought he was too old for Magneto just because he doesn't need to be young. He doesn't need to be a teenager. But I. You know, I definitely, he, he gets into the action. He gets into the mix, not only with his powers, but just physically fighting as well. And So, so I was the World War II thing, though, is what, you know. Is what did it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I always thought, you know, if you casted somebody a little younger, maybe in their 30s at least, you yeah. could definitely get several films out of them, you know. I mean, I think part of the problem with the X-Men films is that they set them, like, basically 10 years into our future. And that was the year 2000. Yeah. And he's supposed to be a Holocaust survivor. So... He'd have to be at least, you know, uh, at that point, he would have had to have been in his mid sick. He would have yeah. had to have been McKellen's age. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, because I think for at least in that film universe, 
to try to explain how his how his aging process has been slowed down or whatever would have been too much. Mm-hmm. Maybe now with uh, all the Marvel stuff out there, it'd be an easier sell. But um, it'll be interesting to see how period will this X Men movie be. Mm-hmm. I would love to see them just set it in the sixties. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. I don't know if they go if they go that far, but that would be really and do it like uh, like retro futuristic 60s like yeah. like you know tomorrowland at disneyland yeah, 60s yeah. <laughs> you know like that would be cool yeah, it'd be fun but i i think fox is probably too cheap to, to yeah to make a movie like that yeah but um so then for the team we'd go teenage right is what yeah. we'd have to go right yeah i mean you'd have to go uh i don't know <clears throat> that that big tall kid from glee Keep thinking of him for Hank McCoy. Ah, interesting, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's probably anybody on the Megan Fox list. Yeah, Jean Grey. Well, I, I mean. was thinking Hayden Panettiere for Jean Grey could be a good one. You know, she's a. And then there's also, um, God, uh, Emma Stone. Yep, she'd make a great she'd Jean be Grey. Good, think, you know, yeah. and and yeah, I think there's. Uh, I think the real the key role though is Cyclops, like. I think you want to get somebody who's going to be. I think the kid who almost was Spidey, Logan Lerman, mm-hmm. would actually be a better Scott Summers. Mm. Interesting. But he's doing this Three Musketeers movie, so I don't think mm. he's going to be able to do it because I think X Men is supposed to film this summer and this fall. Yeah. So I think you'll you'll get whoever you get. I think it'll yeah. be some TV actor or complete unknown. What about? Following through on the Matthew Vaughn connection, since he's he's directing it, what about um, Chloe Moretz as Jean Grey? She could be interesting. <clears throat> I don't know why my I'm going for a Peter Parker, <laughs> uh, Peter Parker, Peter Brady thing right now. <clears throat> she uh, she'd be good. I think she's. Um, I think she's kind of she brings with her though the baggage of of kick ass a little bit. Hey girl, yeah, you know, and that's such an iconic character already that. Um, I don't know if she'd be doing Jean Grey a disservice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think fresh faces across the board, somebody you could really kind of bond with mm-hmm. as you you know, you know follow these kids going through school, kind of like you did with Harry Potter. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you don't know, you didn't know these actors from Adam. Um, I, I think, you know, maybe this is <laughs> going to be Fox's or Marvel's answer to Harry Potter. Yeah. You follow them in the school. Yeah, and you watch them grow, yeah, through, you know. F- There's probably some Harry Potter actors you could get to be, you know, Magneto and and, uh, and Ooh, Xavier. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kenneth Branagh would be a good Xavier. Yeah, yeah, he would be. You he know, he's got the Marvel tie now. And yeah. So, um, I think, you know, I think the, the trick is you get, you, you'll have to cast, because I would imagine Professor X, we might see him while he was still able-bodied. Right. So, uh, how much action would be required? Like, what the take on that character would be? Because wasn't he supposed to be a soldier at mm-hmm. one point? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So you know that's why I think somebody like a Tom Hardy could be interesting. Jude Law showed in Sherlock Holmes that he could do action. Sure. Something I didn't think he could do until mm-hmm. I saw that. Um, so yeah, just somebody like that. Mark Strong would be great, but I think he's just he he's going to be in John Carter. He's going to be in um, Green Lantern. He's got. Another, uh, he was in Robin Hood. He's going to be in another, um, oh Sherlock no. Holmes. 
Uh, no, he's probably not in that. I guess they did finally and fully kill him. <laughs> um, you know, he's just like maybe enough. You know, yeah, you yeah, yeah. He's a great actor. I don't want to see him get cheap and sure, sure. getting turned into an, another like Bella Lugosi type. You know? mm. Well, so this, this, those are some of our thoughts. If you guys have any uh, specific uh, picks that you think we missed, definitely um, definitely send them in via email. We'll read them in the next podcast and, yeah. you know, and call you out for it. So Yeah. Um, all right. Well, moving on. Um, this week marks the 30th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. Yep. And, uh, I don't know, let's, let's, uh, talk a little bit about our personal experiences about that mm-hmm. film. Why, why don't you tell us a little, uh, something about the memories you had of going to see that? Yeah, um, well, first we should probably say that we're doing, uh, all week long, we've kind of been celebrating it. So, um, be sure to check out, you know, check out the site. We have, uh, you know, at the beginning of the week, we started with uh, a feature called Why Number Two is Number One, and it was just about kind of some of our favorite second films and movie franchises and why they're better than the other movies in the, right, in right. the, in the franchise. Um, and then we also had, um, uh, why em- or how Empire changed Star Wars. Um, and it's basically kind of, the moments, characters, elements, etc. in Empire Strikes Back that pretty much forever changed the Star Wars universe and the mythology. Um, yeah. Things like Yoda, you know, how introduced in Empire, and now I couldn't really imagine or picture a Star Wars movie, TV show, etc. that didn't incorporate him somehow. Yeah, and, and also they expanded the, the breadth of that galaxy far, far away and exactly. all the all the different kind of planetary systems and life forms, all the creatures that, you know, that could be had. And then um, even the the character dynamics. I mean, the first movie kind of sets up that Luke and Leia maybe would get together. Mm-hmm. And then the second movie, it's all about Han and Leia. And, you know, that's the thing we remember now. Yeah. So that's what that, you know, that kiss in the sick bay is really <laughs> gross. Like, you know, I, I went last night to um, a 30th anniversary charity screening for it. Harrison Ford was there, and he was only there because it was for St. Jude's Hospital, and he's a big advocate for them. Uh, otherwise, he never really talks about Star Wars. Yeah. He doesn't like revisiting that. Um, but it was him, Billy D. Williams, Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca, wow. Ewan McGregor, young Obi, uh, yeah. Obi-Wan, and then um, uh, several other people uh, were all there watching the film. And plus the rest of us. Right. And it was just strange. And then Ford gets up and does his Q&A. And, you know, it was just strange to see him kind of revisit this movie. He said he hadn't seen it in 30 years. Yeah. And it's the movie really holds up. I mean, the, the tone is so consistent throughout. And Han Solo really steals the show. I mean, it's really... Who knew that it would really end up being kind of his story in right. a way? And sort of his, you know, even though he doesn't willingly sacrifice himself, that, you know, that, that whole sequence of him getting put in into the, the carbon uh, carbon freezing is still gets you, man. Yeah, 30 yeah. years later, you're watching, you're like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, it's funny because um, I remember vividly, vividly, waiting in line to see that movie. You know, my dad dropped me and my my older sister off. It was here in Westwood, California. You know, it was at the um uh the man, the one that's on Wilshire. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think it's a man, right? Or a UA or yeah. I, I, anyways, it was at that at that theater. We were lined up on Wilshire Boulevard 
and he dropped us off, and then he went to go get breakfast, you know, and, and like <laughs> left us standing in line. I'm sure it was probably like a 10:30 or an 11 o'clock showing or something. At but night. Yeah, no, in the morning, <laughs> in the morning. But you know, I just remember being there, being excited. I remember staring at this little kid in front of us who actually had an action figure from the movie. Because remember, they they would release a few of them early. Yeah, you know, and he you had, punched him and took it. Dude. I I wanted to. I was like, oh, the dude is he's in snow gear. I had no idea the movie was going to be in snow. You know, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> so I just I just so fully remember that and I also just so fully remember walking out of it and being like part 3 has to come next week. Like yeah. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. No internet, no no way to spread rumors. We all had to spend 3 years basically saying who is the other? Yeah, what exactly. What the hell is that, you know? Exactly. Um uh my my anecdote about that time is that <clears throat> my my dad was in New York on a business trip. And he calls. He calls home, and he said, "You know, puts me on the phone." And, and like, uh, guess what I saw? I'm like, oh, "Empire Strikes Back." I'm like, "What? <laughs> you know, how did you see? It's not even out yet." And that's how I learned what a limited release was, the New York, <laughs> LA release. And he couldn't help himself. He was a, as much of a geek as I am, and he went and he saw it. He was telling me how great it was. He wouldn't tell me. Any, he goes, "There's some big secrets in there. I won't tell you." I said, well, you got to tell me something. He goes, well, there's a really strange Muppet in it. I'm like, a Muppet? What the hell? What's a Muppet doing in the movie? Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking pigs in space or something. And then, you know, of course, it was Yoda. And I had, um, I remember the Boba Fett action figure. I think I sent away for before yeah. the movie came out. And then, of course, it became the, the, the crusade to get every new action figure. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and I had a particularly fond of Bosk. <laughs> and because I just, dude, it's, it's a lizard. It's a talking lizard in a flight suit. What's exactly. not to like? Exactly. And, um, and then, uh, Dengar, who looks like he got you know really effed up, beat up somehow. Line. Yeah, and I don't know if you watch. Uh, by the way, just to sidetrack real quick, the uh, Clone Wars animated. I say I see it uh, on occasion. A lot of times when I'm when I see it the most is when I'm covering a convention. Okay. <laughs> you know. Well, the last two episodes of this season, which were the ones that deal with the young Boba Fett coming back to kind of exact his revenge on Mace Windu for killing yeah. his dad, Bosk is in him. So you actually hear him talk and see him move and see him fight. Oh, so. nice. Nice, you might nice. want to like set your DVR for him oh, or something. Cool, cool. Yeah. yeah, I have to see that. I was, you know, it's not like they really ever did anything with Bosk, but it was just visually so striking. And this is, you know, another thing that jumped out at me watching the movie last night is, God, I miss those practical effects. Yeah, the the monster makeup, the 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 model work, mm -hmm. even the stop motion tauntauns, which really were kind of jarring to watch. But you're like. It was it was kind of sweet too because yeah. you're like oh at least because they showed us the '97 special edition print right I'm like well at least he didn't like you know draw over them as some CG version yeah that's true you're you absolutely know? right he could have done that and, and the the ad ads I think were great too yeah. the Imperial walkers you know so. well you know a couple of people that were in that screening with us were Christopher Nolan director of the Batman movies wow. and John Favreau. And I'm watching the movie, and I know these two guys are a few rows away, and I've I've met and interviewed both of them several times, and, and I'm watching the movies, and I'm like, these guys wouldn't be here, obviously, unless they were Star Wars fans. That's that's a big thing. But it hit me like the moments and sort of the little influences of the Star Wars films on their films. For example, Dark Knight, 
when the bad part is going underneath the 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 tractor trailer truck that the Joker's driving yeah. and flips it over, that's basically taking down one of the ad ads yeah, with yeah. the cables around the legs. Um and then uh even even Anakin Skywalker and Harvey Dent not too far removed if you think about like a good guy who gets pushed too far because of loss and anger and revenge and hatred yeah. and ends up all scarred and ends up a villain. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it definitely, even though the character completely predates that, I know that I'm just thinking, you know, it's tough not to see sort of the stylistic influences and sort of just the, the, the pop culture touchstones of these movies, uh, impacting, uh, the film adaptations of things that preexisted it. You sure. Know? Sure. Um, uh, another example is the end of Iron Man Two. For those of you who haven't seen it, um, it's not really a spoiler, but it ends with an award ceremony, which you can't help but you can't see any award ceremony at at uh, the end of a movie and not think Star Wars. Sure, yeah, you yeah. Know? And, and even like the little robots that Tony Stark works with reminds me of you know R two and yeah. and the uh, the kind of the sick bay lab droid that nurses Luke back when he's uh, after the in, on Hoth and everything. Mm. So, you know, it's tough not to see these little little moments. Yeah. Over. Well, it's definitely I mean, you know, it's a it's a it's very influential film. It's by far um you know, uh, interpreted as one of the best Star Wars movies. I mean, everybody says that it's their yeah. favorite, you know. Um so yeah, I mean how could it not affect or influence, yeah. you know? But it other? also like it, it it influenced genre films and particularly sequels in that you could reach for the stars, no pun intended, and really, really make just a, a great film that happens to be a sequel to this kind of, you know, genre property, this sort mm-hmm. of like, you know, at that point in time these movies were still looked at, at as a popcorn flex or junk food, really. Mm-hmm. You know, show you can make art. And um you know, and it also the the kind of tragic cliffhanger ending opened the door to things like Star Trek Two, X Men Two, Dark Knight, you know, that you could end on a on a kind of a sour note. Yeah. And people will want more. They want to see how the storyline will resolve itself. And yeah. So it's been hugely influential in so many ways, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then also I mean I, I don't think Harrison Ford has ever been as cool or roguish as he was in that movie, even as Indiana Jones, maybe in the first Raiders. Yeah. You know, he's he's great. I, I'd say that's probably pretty much a match. But you know, just listening to him speak the other night, it's like he's really old. You know, <laughs> and, I'm, and that's not a knock. But it's just it was just kind of sobering to, yeah. to see that and see like. And he was saying he's he's he was recalling working on the first Star Wars movie with Alec Guinness, and he watched it again for the first time in decades a couple of nights before going to see Empire. He said he wanted some context to what happened in the movie. Basically, he doesn't remember what the movies were. Right, right. So he watched Star Wars, and and then he went to the screening and watched Empire, and he started talking about working with Alec Guinness, and he goes, I did the math in my head, because, you know, we always thought of him as this grand old actor, nice old guy, gave us a lot of advice, uh, mentor, and he goes, I did the math, and when he did the first Star Wars, he was six years younger than I am now. Wow. And you're like, 
Oh man, <laughs> I definitely don't want to see an Indy Five now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, sure. it's going to be Indiana Jones and the Urn of it of Eternity at that point <laughs> because it's just I don't want to see it. Just you know, he's doing Cowboys and Aliens now, and I just I kind of hope it's just sort of a um, a nice supporting role for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just I I want to see him age gracefully, but he even kind of had the the uh, the kind of tired old man voice. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I'm not picking on that. It's just, it was just, we're so used to these guys being frozen in time. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And then to see them in, in the flesh and hear them speak and you're like, maybe it's time for you to kind of, you know, kind of begin to ride away gracefully into yeah. the sunset. You know? Yeah. Well, listen, I've got, um, I'm going, I'm going off our topic list here. And, dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I wanted to... I want to talk to you because, you know, I, I just realized we haven't had a chance to talk Iron Man 2 in the podcast, really. I yeah, mean, not really, depth. yeah. So what I want to do is this. I want to, why don't we go into our box office predictions for next weekend, and that way we can let people who haven't seen Iron Man 2 yet kind of close with the box office part. Right. Let me, let me say one quick news item. Sure. Heavy Rain, oh, video game. Actually, getting, yeah, we should Getting turned into a movie... Everyone's always said, oh, it's just like Seven. Well, ironically enough, the two guys who were in the studio that made Seven are trying to get the rights to it. <laughs> it's not a done deal yet, but it looks good. So yeah. that's about it. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all we do know about that. But um, but that's very cool. It'd be interesting. And I think enough time has passed to kind of have a movie of that nature. And it's know? also, I mean, it's their chance to do the Seven sequel that they never got to do. Got yeah. to do, you know? So. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so why don't we... We'll do the box office. If you haven't seen Iron Man 2, you can check out the podcast after that. If you have seen it and want to hear us kind of talk a little bit about... I'm thinking about how this fits into the grander Marvel universe of films. Right, right. Uh, so potential spoilers. So we're going to get into yeah, spoilers exactly. a little bit. So if you want to hear that, stick around. So um, <clears throat> this weekend, we've got uh, MacGruber and Shrek uh, Forever, Forever After. After. Although they keep... they keep uh, Different ads keep calling it different things. Yeah. You know? um, I think Shrek is going to open number one. It's going to it's going to bounce Iron Man two down to number two. Um, I think Robin. I, it's it's going to be a rough weekend. I think for Universal, and I, I like that studio, but I think Robin Hood. I don't know how well that'll hold over. Mm-hmm. I suspect it's going to hold over better than I anticipate. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about MacGruber. Yeah, I'm not sure too. if that is what kind of traction that movie has. It could be another case of the people in the industry and the know uh, being interested in it, but everybody else being like, that looks stupid. Yeah, yeah. Not going or opening fifth or sixth. I could see that being the movie that folks can't get, that folks are stuck with after they can't get into, you know, Shrek or Iron Man or this or that. (laughs) All the other ones are sold out, so okay, we'll see MacGruber. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I, I don't really know how much repeat business Robin Hood warrants. I don't think. People are going to run back and see it again. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know which one is going to kind of uh, disappoint more, but I have a feeling it's going to be one of those two. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm going to say Shrek at number one at $60 million. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. not a book. And then I'm going to say Iron Man 2 at number two. I'm going to say there's going to be a big drop at $36 million maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Shrek four, <clears throat> number one with, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say sixty four million. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I think, you know, look at how well How to Train Your Dragon is done. It's still hanging in there. True. And I think kids want to just see a new cartoon because yeah. I've seen this one a hundred times now. <laughs> um, I think Iron Man 2 will stay, uh, will, will drop to number two. And yeah, I think I'm going to say if it, if it was what, 52 last week, mm-hmm. I'm going to say it drops down to about 38. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to say, I'm going to say MacGruber. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. With uh, 20. Okay. And Robin Hood, uh, with sixteen, I'm gonna go Robin Hood then MacGruber. I think. I think. Yeah, I think MacGruber's gonna take. The I hit. think you're gonna win this one because <laughs> I think your bets are a little more on. I mean, I'm just, I'm just curious about you know the word and uh, word of mouth and Robin Hood hasn't been great. Yeah, and maybe people just want to. For people who want a dumb laugh but are sick of the Shrek films, will they go see MacGruber? Yeah, true. You true. know. All right. Well, we'll uh, be sure to check in at the beginning of next week's podcast with the totals and see who was right and and who was not. <laughs> um, so, if you haven't seen Iron Man two and don't want to be spoiled, I guess that'll do it for uh, for you guys. Feel free to check out here. But always, as always, go over to iTunes if you like what you're hearing. Bump us up in the in the rankings there, and feel free to send us emails or comments on things you want to hear us discuss. And if you have seen Iron Man two and want to hear spoil some stuff about it. Uh, Horse hammer. (coughs) Sorry. God, I'm losing my voice. (coughs) Okay, you've been warned. So (laughs) what I really wanted to, what I really want to talk about is just, because this movie in particular has a lot of Easter eggs that are really calling out now to all the other movies, uh, Thor, Captain America, Avengers. Um, So how how does this movie... I guess, A, let's identify some of those things so uh, right. be sure you caught them, and B, how is this going to kind of fit into the grander kind of Marvel universe, you know? Well, I mean, they're they're clearly establishing a, a, a broad Marvel. It, they, they want the comic book universe uh, that we all know and love to exist in the movie universe. Um, you know, the, you see Wakanda on a map at one point. See, I missed that one. I didn't yeah, see it. That's, uh, that, where is that it's, again? It's, it, that's in a, um, one of the scenes near the end when Robert Downey Jr. is talking to Nick Fury mm-hmm. and uh, where he basically gets rejected for <laughs> Avengers, right. you know? And, uh, but there's, you know, these kind of um, uh, touch screen kind of things behind Nick Fury. Sure. And one of them is a map of like hot, hot spots and Wakanda is shown. Mm. And then you also see on a TV in the background um, news reel footage of... A, an incident on a college campus, and that's basically the uh, the big tank fight scene from Incredible Hulk mm-hmm. playing out. Okay. So all these things are happening real time, like they do in the comics. Right, right. You know, where they give you like the little asterisks, like check out. You yeah, know. issue number sixty-six yeah. of yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so they're definitely establishing that um, Shield is taking on uh, a larger role in the Marvel films, and I think they're going to be the glue that kind of. Well, they are the glue that's going to keep everything together, mm-hmm. not just in Avengers, but maybe even uh, expand it beyond the, you know, caped and costumed hero worlds. I'd be curious to see when they branch off into things like Luke Cage and right. Doctor Strange, you know, into uh, either a more street level thing like a Luke Cage or cosmic stuff like Doctor Strange. Will S.H.I.E.L.D. have a role in that, too? Mm-hmm. Um 
uh, you see Captain America's shield at yeah, one point. Yeah, that, and that was or very at least blatant. a prototype of it because it looked pretty chintzy. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it was almost half of the shield, really. You know, if you yeah. think about it. But that was like very blatant. Like they, oh yeah, the, boom, here <laughs> it is. Um, obviously, the bit at the very, very end of the film after credits, you see Thor's hammer, right? Um, and and Shield is the ones who discover it. So yeah, you know, obviously. and obviously, you know, you nobody but Thor can pick up his hammer, right? Exactly. So it's just sitting there in a crater, yeah, in New Mexico, and um, uh, uh, obviously Black Widow, Black um, Widow, and then even War Machine. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. It's it's assumed that those two characters will be members of the Avengers. Um, we still don't have an exact lineup for them. There's sure. been a lot of rumors and speculation. Hawkeye, Ant Man, it brings back to an earlier thing. But I I think that the the idea that that Loki is going to you know be the reason he's going to be that major threat mm-hmm. that brings them together. Here, here's here's my two cents. In the comics, it was that Loki took over Hulk, so they all had to come together to stop Hulk. Right. I think it's going to be that they all band together to stop Thor, hmm. because you know it just seems strange that you know this guy's going to land on Earth and be like, "Yeah, I'll join your your boy band to swipe <laughs> line from Tony Stark." It would seem more likely that. He gets cast down to Earth. Loki, being Loki, decides to essentially possess him and wreak havoc and and ruin his brother's good name even more. Right with the <clears throat> with the dad. Yeah, know? yeah. And uh, you know, think about it. You you would need to assemble the biggest badasses you can. Right. I bet you they even wheel Captain America out of you know out of storage. Mm. I bet you, I bet you Shield has had him locked up for fifty years. Hmm. You know? in, in like cryogenic. Yeah. yeah. They pulled a Walt Disney on him. Right. Right. And, and <laughs> he's you know, and that he's not you know under the ocean somewhere because that's the one thing I never bought with the comics is if you're going to be in the ocean, you're going to die. Yeah. You're going to be yeah. brain dead. Anything you know, you're not going to get frozen for forty years. Yeah. But if if you know, we're going to basically see. How Shield began during World War Two, or right after World War Two, it would make sense that they would freeze basically a government creation till they had the technology to know what to do with it. Right. right. I mean, he's a massive investment. Um, maybe he'll still be in the comics and frozen underwater, but I just think, I just think that's a that's a change from canon that I could live with. Yeah. I know a lot of people will probably get bent out of shape, but. You can't ask us to believe in a realistic world where fantastical things happen. Uh, there's only so much we can believe. The more real things like not going brain dead from lack of oxygen mm-hmm. underwater, I can't know. <laughs> yeah. Now, I thought it was also interesting that in, in Iron Man 2, uh, Nick Fury basically reveals it to Tony Stark that his father was one of the founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, and how old is Nick Fury then? Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. and how long, I mean, you know, Sam Jackson's, I think, almost 60. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that, you know, they're not aging him, that he he was a young officer during Vietnam and has known him since then. You know, we don't know how far back they're going, but the footage that they show, it's clearly... um 
you know, it's like the the mid '60s. It's mm-hmm. kind of it's like Walt Disney when he would host Wonderful World of Disney. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, you know, I, I think that I bet you that Shield started as sort of like the OSS and how that became CIA, right? And that there are going to be some sort of um, Shield uh, forerunners in the Captain America movie, and that they take their investment and basically seal them off, hmm. put them in a f- deep freeze, whether he wants to be or not. <laughs> and then they wheel them out because they're like, oh, God, the crap's hit the fan. We're going to need every hero we can find. Right. That's just complete and utter speculation on my part. But, uh, you know, I just think if they're going to have everything happening at once, finding Captain America at the same time and then pulling him onto the team seems to be a little much. Like, you can get away with that crap in comics, but... In a film universe where a character has to seem like they've needed time to reacquaint themselves to the world, yeah, you know. Well, that you know that poses an interesting question about the Cap movie then, and and is the end of that film going to is the third act going to take place in present day? And I don't mean just the reveal that uh, we found him and we're unfreezing him. I mean, is there going to be enough of it? You know, where I bet you he gets introduced to I the bet Avengers you they're, and, they're gonna. They want to avoid all the Austin Powers bits of like, oh, what's happened since I've been gone? Right. What's a cell phone? All that sort of thing. I think it'll be something as simple as um, a coda where, you know, he wakes up and it's present day and he's surrounded and he's like, what the hell is going on? And then you just cut to him going to the retirement home like he did in the Ultimates comics. I, th- I think it was the Ultimates, but in one run of the comics where Cap goes and he finds his wartime girlfriend in an in a old folks home. Yeah, yeah. And I bet you that that says all you need to know yeah. about what this guy's place in the world is going to be. Yeah. And maybe him going to Bucky's grave or or a memorial to Bucky since you know his body mm-hmm. was never found until <laughs> right, <laughs> years right. Later. So well, it's definitely interesting how I mean we're kind of used to the Marvel movies, at least with the, the first two, you know, Iron Man and, and Hulk, um, kind of doing these little winks, you know. But but yeah. this one in particular, Iron Man two, just had so many. Like they really are upping their game now. For yeah, I mean, almost some would some would say to the detriment of that film, and that it was really overstuffed with setup. Yeah, for something that. I don't know if the the average film goer would know or care about. They'll know or care about it, you know, come, you know, uh, 2012 when the movie's coming out. Right. But for right now, I think it's just, it seems, we all get it, but it, is it a little too inside the beltway for most people? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I bet you, too, with the, uh, the, the rumors about um, Bucky Barnes and Winter Soldier maybe being involved in the movies, I wonder if they don't switch it up a bit and have it that S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever S.H.I.E.L.D. was during the war, they find Cap and Bucky basically dead or left for dead. Mm-hmm. And they, they freeze them both away. And they eventually take Cap out. But what if Bucky had been taken out and instead of the Russians using him, they used him as the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. They've used him in Vietnam or 
or in the current wars or whatever, you know, I think it would be definitely a change from the established lore in the comics, but it might be a better way to kind of make Cap kind of like what kind of world and country and government and stuff uh, have I have I woken up to? Yeah. It's a very different world than the world that he would have known and the values that he would have had and things that he would have expected his government and the military to be part of. Yeah. You know, they have to, I feel like they have to kind of address that. And there's even like, I, I don't think they'd be gutsy enough to really do this, but, you know, um, you know, Captain America served in the military when it was segregated. Mm-hmm. When when African Americans basically, unless you were the Tuskegee Airmen, you were kind of relegated to service jobs, motor pool, things like right, that. Right. Now we have a black commander in chief. Right. I would love a moment of just like Cap seeing like how far the country's come. Yeah. You know, acknowledge that it might date the movie, but it would seem at least it would be a very simple way to address the massive difference. In the world he came from, and the world he's in today, without it, you know, it having to be like, uh, oh, what's an iPhone? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that there's a lot of interesting things they could do, but yeah. we'll see. I'm sure we'll see a lot more of it as uh, the next couple of movies creep out. I mean, we got Thor up next, and then then Cap, and then finally the Avengers. So I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot more of the kind of Easter egg building and probably more blatant to be obvious with you as each movie progresses. So. And, I, and I know with Captain America, uh, the character of uh, Arnim Zola is mm-hmm. in it and he's going to be played by Toby Jones. who mm-hmm. was, you know, Capote and, in, in, um, infamous, uh, I, you know, in, in the ultimates comics, he ended up going to work for the government, for the U S government. Mm. Like a lot of the Nazi scientists had been brought over and stuff. You know, I mean, that's got to tie into like the early days of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. and Howard Stark. Yeah. You know, because we know that Howard Stark worked on the Manhattan Project. Yeah. So what else did he work on? He must have worked on Cap. You know, is there a reason why Tony Stark has Cap S.H.I.E.L.D. in a footlocker? Yeah, exactly. In, in his basement, you know? Yeah. I mean, it just seems like they, they, they would be remiss to not somehow have S.H.I.E.L.D. having kept Cap and even the winners, Bucky and all them, basically on ice, literally, yeah. for the last 60-odd years. Hmm. Well, those are just our kind of some of our theories, our uh, conspiracy theories. Yeah. So feel free to uh, send us yours if you want. Um, email us or, or drop them in the comments below. Um, but that's it for this week. We will be back next week. And again, um, thanks for tuning in.